Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to part two of our two-part series on mobile search strategy. If you missed episode one, you might want to download that one as well. We spoke about mobile search optimization strategy, Google Places, and optimizing businesses without an official physical location for mobile search. And we're going to actually be advancing that conversation in this episode. Um, mobile search is all about social and it's all about local. Uh, but what about businesses with multiple locations or brands sold by resellers at locations that aren't their own? How should marketers approach this type of a scenario? Uh, and, and what about the user interface? You know, it's one thing to lead a horse to water. It's another thing to actually get him to drink. And we know by now that the user experience on a mobile device is very different than the one on the desktop. But what's the best way for marketers to ensure that a positive uh, mobile experience ensues so that the customer can actually find them and then they actually stick around and convert? Uh, with us again for part two of our two-part series on mobile search strategy is Rich Devine of Zaz, a design, optimization, and analytics agency acquired by WPP in 2006. His presentation at South by Southwest was one of the best ones I attended, and I'm pleased to have him back with me to talk more about mobile search. Rich, welcome back. Uh, thanks, Eric. Appreciate the uh, opportunity. Now, um, you, we spoke in the last episode a bit about the strategy for Ford. Um, and optimizing them for search. Uh, but what if, what if you had you know, an organization where there was no single location and you didn't have a relationship at Google where they could just sort of import all that data for you? How would you approach that sort of a strategy, like maybe for a Starbucks? Or uh, what if it was a, um, a franchise, like a Domino's? You know, how, would you, how would you make that happen? Number one is take a look at both your internal assets in terms of, and resources in terms of people, um, technology, and platforms. And, and when you're thinking about local, um, I would first start to think about the people that you have in, in different geographic locations. So um, Starbucks, Domino's, those are good, good examples where you know you have either independent franchise owners or, or people that kind of roll up under your organization at, uh, at, at different re kind of regional levels or segments. Um, and so the trick there for me is to find ways to empower them. That's what we tried to do initially at Ford. Um, it, culturally, I think it was a little bit of a challenge. And so we found a way to kind of have a, a massive shotgun spread that was effective for us. But at the end of the day, um, even for Ford, their their ability to, to be successful and to be targeted and specific at a regional level is really um, governed by um, and, and predicated on how well kind of regional stakeholders um, accept the responsibility to focus on local strategy. So um, it, it's a, it's not, it, it's maybe not a very sexy strategy, but that's where I'd start first is, is trying to empower and encourage uh, local resources um, to take ownership of, of their local marketing. Um, again, we spoke last time on, on the importance of, local um, listings. Um, again, by themselves, not really that sexy. Traditionally, the uh, kind of the domain of small businesses, um, but there's no rule that says that uh, big brands or medium brands or, or different types of brands outside of food and, tip, and you know, typical services can't use those listings. Um, again, Localese is a great resource. Uh, Yellow Book uh, is still fantastic in my mind. Uh, universal Business Listings, those are kind of the top three for me that if you can focus on them in addition to uh, the main search providers, um, Yahoo, Bing, and Google, uh, that will take that will uh, that will take you a long way. Um, and then, in terms of really diving down at a regional level, when you think about keyword strategy, um, the the concept of geo modified terms and geo modified keyword strategy has has typically been kind of a paid search approach in terms of how you structure campaigns and ad groups. Um, 
we've we've kind of borrowed that that logic when thinking about SEO. Uh, in terms of how we develop uh, and organize content. And so that's more and more important, especially when you consider, as we, as we spoke about previously, the fact that for Google, every search is local, or at least they try to, to make it local if it makes sense for that individual query. Uh, and so if you can introduce and offer geo-modified content, which corresponds to geo-modified keywords that are targeted for that content, that will take you a long way in terms of performance, both in terms of visibility and in terms of actual uh, conversion from, from that content that becomes visible. So, Rich, let me ask you, are there any generalizations you'd be willing to make with respect to how mobile search strategy differs uh, if it's an, a considered purchase versus an impulse purchase? You're just going to find more impulse purchase behavior on a mobile device. Um, and, and I think... <laughs> I think that's going to be largely true across industries, across verticals, uh, across strategies. That said, um, while that's generally true, there, it, 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 it's not necessarily true that you won't find you know, consideration and, and kind of preference search behavior on a mobile device that still exists, especially when you consider that, um, you know, I... I I don't necessarily distinguish mobile device between tablet device. A lot of the time, uh, that, that's kind of the the same experience, or that there's kind of a, a middle layer there. Um, and for for some devices, or and you know, um, the the device makers between iPad and, and some of the new devices that are rolling out, they they're still tending to serve a lot of mobile content depending on how your site is structured. Um, and so as, as those become kind of more and more um, available and in the consumer's hands, uh, the kind of the mobile experience will not just, again, be, be impulse-based. There will still be kind of a, a consideration layer there that's important to mobile as well. What about B2B versus B2C? Because, um, you know, it's, 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 it's rare that you have a meeting in our days uh, where everyone in the meeting doesn't check their mobile device at least, you know, two or three times. Um, so, you know, the, the, the mobile device is becoming uh, used by professionals throughout the course of the day. Do you see a role for mobile search strategy for B2B? And if so, you know, what might that be? Yeah, certainly. Um yeah, a couple of ways to approach that. When, when the, the first layer, again, this is true whether we're talking, um, you know, mobile, mobile strategy or a regular site strategy, and that's to understand the value of, of a success event or a conversion or whatever you want to call it. And um, for B2B, there, there's generally a lower volume, and there's, there's uh, a lower volume both in terms of kind of behaviors and audience. Uh, but there's kind of an inverse relationship between volume and value. Uh, for, uh, for many businesses, the, the value of a successful event or behavior is very, very high. And so um, when, when we look at strategy, we, we have to really understand those values and, and have a really strong kind of anal analytics-based um, either model or, or understanding of of, uh, of of conversion values and and successful behaviors, and then let that dictate kind of what what strategies come first. And so um, that that's really important when you're considering mobile. So there isn't one kind of answer to that question. the 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 way to answer that question is again take a look at your data, take a look at the value of behaviors, um, and you know I d we dive into you know our analytics data first and, and just try to get a good understanding of Okay, well, how much behavior, you know, how how much of our visits is is coming through mobile, or do we believe is attempted to be viewed through mobile? Is there different behaviors specific to our business that need to be mobile based, or for for many B two B organizations, it's it's generally the same. There isn't necessarily always kind of a local angle to be played, uh, especially for B two B that distinguishes the experience between desktop and mobile. That, 
God. Rich, my uh, grandfather, Morton Schwartzman, may he rest in peace, was a manufacturer of colored aquarium gravel. I'm going somewhere with this, okay? So humor me. Um, he was a child of the Depression, and he built a business where he basically bought gravel, dyed it, and sold it in bags to pet stores for the bottom of the fish tank. And you think about that, and you think, wow, what a great idea. He must have been rich. And he was. He did very well. But he was limited in his ability to grow because it's so heavy. You know, you can't really ship it. So the truth is, you know, he did start a little business and was kind of the first one to do it, but he was never really able to be competitive in other states because it was always cheaper for competitors to just open up regionally and undercut on price. So I wonder, do you, when you think about B2Bs and, you know, selecting a raw material supplier, be it... Uh, plastic resin or gravel or any heavy raw material where shipping and the cost of shipping and accessibility is an issue. Do you, do you think perhaps mobile search could wind up becoming sort of the key by which those who source these types of materials, uh, particularly if they're heavy and tough to ship, will start to you know, find these types of suppliers? I um, was teaching a social media boot camp in... Chicago a couple months ago and I had in the class a woman who was the head of the quarry association and at the time it didn't dawn on me that maybe so maybe mobile would be the answer for an organization like that but do you think there's any any uh am I am I on to something or what do you think yeah no I think so um and I think uh, this is actually a, a great kind of area where the, the lines between mobile and local blur. So it may be that actually local is the big play here um, because you're, you're having people in any specific kind of uh, geographic area looking for a very niche product. And if you, can, if you can kind of own visibility by location, you're going to be really successful as opposed to limiting your optimization strategy to the product keyword itself. So if he's, if he's kind of over-focusing or narrowing his focus on, uh, you know, colored aquarium gravel or, you know, whatever combinations of, of relatable keywords there is for that very niche product, that's good. But uh, it becomes, uh, you know, his success is, is there's just much greater potential if he, if he considers local um, as, as kind of the, uh, the next level strategy on top of, of his uh, kind of. Well, what uh, I'm wondering is, is weight, is weight an issue? I mean, if you are a supplier of a material that's heavy and expensive to ship, would that be a good reason to focus on mobile search? I mean, do you think sophisticated uh, purchasers and purchasing agents are going to start to use their mobile device to find the suppliers closest to them? Oh, yeah. yeah no, certainly, I, I see where you're going. Uh, yeah, and so then it becomes uh, a matter of findability. Um, this, is, this is interesting, you know, thinking of not necessarily what's available now, but this is where we kind of go back to that concept of not not just thinking about search engine optimization, but but search optimization and uh, kind of optimization of the discovery experience. Um, and so, the, you know, the the mobile device actually becomes the uh, the the search engine in that case. Uh, is there a service you can use to grab like an embed code or some sort of JavaScript that you could just easily uh, publish to an HTML web page to give it geo RSS information? Yeah. So um, a, a great resource to just kind of look up is as what, what we're calling micro-formatting um, and, and HCARDs uh, as, as, um, as an example of micro-formatting. What, what this allows you to do is it basically embed on a site uh, kind of the concept of a V card or a virtual business card, um, but it's uh, often, again often called an H card and allows you to provide basically a, a kind of a variable global footer address, um, location by location. So uh, this allows you to provide separate pages for multiple multiple locations 
and and you basically um, kind of configure that in in the site map that you submit to search engines. So it's really really useful um, again to kind of provide geographic uh, differentiation that's uh, visible to the search engines, and that will what you're what you're essentially doing is is providing kind of unique kind of geo-modified content um, without having to go through, a, you know, a lot of uh, expensive production page by page. Um, so yeah, micro-formatting, uh, great, great, great option um, to kind of accomplish, uh, you know, geo-segmentation for, uh, for web pages. So I'm on uh, microformats.org right now, and I'm looking at the HCARD 1.0 page. And, you know, it's not that technical, but it's certainly more technical than a lot of our listeners are, are going to have the patience for. Is there a service where you, like, put in a zip code, it spits out a little, you know, bit of microformat code that you can put in the, in the footer? Or is there any sort of, you know, layman's service? Yeah, you know that that's that's a good question. Uh, I uh, we we enjoy the uh, the flexibility of being able to kind of customize that on our own. Um, if that's out there, um, it's a great idea. If it's not, um, I, you know, I might consider getting to that first, Eric, so you can make a little bit of money off of it. Ten uh, percent. Um, All I want is ten yeah, percent. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, I, I don't. You could probably spit that out in a day um, if you if you had a, a smart, you know, a smart cookie to just simply code that for you. Um, but they, they might be out there. Now you showed an infographic titled "Multiple Location Optimization Strategies" by Eliance, which basically illustrated different mobile local search strategies, and one of them was optimizing different pages of the same site for different locations. Now. There are numerous examples of when that might be useful for listeners of this podcast. For example, if you were putting out press releases and each press release uh, applied to a different market, if you had case studies and each case study was relevant in a given market, uh, you know, in public relations and, and, and marketing as well, you know, there's always this sort of um, attempt to localize news and make it more applicable to a given market. So I guess microformats and H cards is how you would pull that off. Yeah, so there's really there's two steps there. Um, so that in terms of the code that resides on your site, microformats, it's 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 a fairly simple and easy way to manage that. Um, but just having that alone isn't necessarily going to solve all your problems. You really need to um, take advantage of kind of search engine protocol. Um, and and be able to talk directly to search engines, and so maybe that's the kind of the the answer to your original question, Eric. Uh, it's it's something as simple as um, uh, using things like Google's Webmaster tools. Um, and so for whether you're a large organization or or just a small site, um, Google will offer you just a basic snippet of code that you can embed on your site. Um, you can then log in to their kind of webmaster tools dashboard and then you can there's a number of things that you can do there one of those is being able to kind of uh, dictate how uh, uh, how that information is is uh, distributed uh, location or, or region by region via a submitted sitemap um, and that that's available from Google Google has their webmaster tools kind of uh, uh, solution uh, Bing has theirs as well, um, and again, it, it's at that point it's about how you kind of structure your sitemap in combination with something like uh, microformatting and H cards. When we return, what it takes to drive conversions on a mobile device. Stay with us. This January 2011, Paul Gillen and Eric Schwartzman bring you the first book devoted exclusively to B2B social media communications. Packed with business-to-business -business case studies and applied knowledge, 
Social Marketing to the Business Customer is the most comprehensive collection of B2B social media marketing guidance ever assembled. B2B markets are driven by value and relationships. That's very different from B2C markets. This book's a hands-on guide. It walks business people step-by-step through the process of using social media to find and engage business customers and ultimately drive more revenue. Social Marketing to the Business Customer is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Borders. Or buy it at our show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Also available for iPad and Kindle. Now, what about the mobile user interface? How should it be different so that people have a positive experience? Uh, great question. So this is uh, this is one of, one of the kind of my favorite quotes. And, and again, true whether you're talking about traditional site design or, or mobile design. And that's um, it, it's a quote by Edward Tuft, who's um, kind of recognized widely as 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 an inspiration for for those that are involved in information design. And he basically said that you, you need to really look at the content itself as the interface. Um, the information as the interface, and, and not kind of get overwhelmed or, or too involved in all of the kind of communi- computer administration debris and the, the functionality as the interface. And so that's really true for mobile, where um, you just you have to recognize that there are pieces of content, there are certain kind of types of information that are just simply more important to a user on a mobile device than on, a, on your traditional site. Um, and and you know, a lot of people that design for mobile accept that and they get that and, and, uh, and they offer something that maybe has a little bit more simplic- simplicity both in terms of accessibility and navigation. Um, but that's also really, really true for, for search optimization. Um, on a, on, in a mobile kind of environment and experience, and so when you're when you're talking about, uh, and this is true both for paid search uh, or even just paid media in general, uh, but especially for SEO, um, SEO is really at the end of the day, it's all about content. The more quality content you have, the more visibility you'll have, the more success from search and re- referrals. You'll you'll have, and so um, we we spoke uh, during our last session about the idea of a one-to-one kind of relationship between your regular site content and your mobile content, and that's that's in reality not not going to be possible. Uh, your mobile site will more than likely have less content, but you have to understand what content is important, not just to the user. Um, but to search engines in terms of what they're indexing, again, from that single search engine index, and, uh, and what's going to return in results, and what's going to be important when someone performs a search, whether that uh, search is on, uh, you know, on a stationary desktop device or on a mobile device. And then that, that next step is making sure that it, there's a kind of a seamless um, experience, and so the example that that we've discussed again is just really important. Where uh, if they if they have a result that they see in their Safari browser on an iPhone, and uh, and they click on that result, you want to make sure that that's available to them either on their mobile site, or if that content doesn't exist on your mobile site, to be able to render your your main site content on the mobile device as opposed to just flipping them back to your mobile homepage. Well, let's let's take a step back for a second before we get into the nitty-gritty uh, of, you know, that and and answer, you know, f- tell me how do you convert a website to a mobile site? What's the best way to do that? Um good question. There's, that's probably an hour-long answer that I'd love to to get into. I think that again, the, the first the first step there really is is your content strategy, um, and that begins actually with 
uh, analytics as far as I'm concerned. Um, if, if you're able to dive in and, and kind of understand, depending on what kind of site assets are existing today, to understand when, mo when users are on a mobile device, what content is important to them. When they're on a stationary device, what content is important to them. And so you can take a look at behavioral analytics, uh, something like data you'll get from like a, a, a Google Analytics suite or, or an Omniture. Right. Um, I mean, let's let's say like we, we know what our top pages are. You know, we know where our top content is. We, we got our analytics and, you know, we're not complete boneheads, just semi-boneheads. And we want a mobile site. We don't have one. What do we do? Sure. Um, it, it, Help, help me understand, Eric. You're, 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 are you talking about uh, optimization or actual the actual design process? First, let's talk about just the actual design process before, because you, what can you opt if you don't have a site? You can't even optimize it. Sure, sure. Uh, I don't know that I'm the uh, the uh, the the best expert on the design process. Well, you're you're better than me, man. I promise <laughs> you. Okay. All right. Um, well, let me think about this, Eric. Uh, you may have to edit this. I mean, what are the basic options, right? I mean, do you do you run it through the uh, the website uh, mobile converter machine and it's done, or because the the problem it seems to me like the, the big wild card is going to be keeping it in sync, because if you if you're doing a good job with online marketing, you know, you're publishing new content all the time. You're constantly refreshing it. Yeah. So obviously yeah. you're going to want that content to be available through mobile as well, even if they're not the top pages, because yeah. who knows what's going to spike, man. And you might publish an article that, you know, you have no idea that it's going to get retweeted by somebody with a lot of followers. And then you want it to be accessible to mobile devices. I mean, it seems to me some sort of strategy that it will, would allow you to keep the two in sync would be the way to go. So the, the question of kind of where to begin uh, when when you're trying to design specifically for mobile, um, it's in many ways the same question that we have when you know a few years ago we were trying to understand how to design a site that had a lot of kind of rich um, interactive attributes to it, but was essentially invisible to search engines. Okay, so follow me here. The what what some kind of businesses started doing is they started you know developing separate sites completely they'd have kind of their their website for humans which is kind of really rich and visceral and had a lot of flash and then they were smart enough to understand that that content was essentially invisible to search engines so they built a separate site and they would they they kind of smell when a search engine robot con you know would would come around and crawl and they'd say okay you're a, you're a search engine, you go look at this other site, and they would kind of cram that site full of keywords and, and optimized content. Google then said, no, 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 you, you can't do that. Uh, what humans see has to essentially be the same version as what we see. And if you try to fool us, you're going to get in trouble. Now, that, that, that presents a, an opportunity for us to, to look at how to develop for uh, mobile as well. It, at the end of the day, it's actually much easier to manage. It's much more feasible to manage a rich, visceral, kind of um, uh, vivid experience and, and, and have a, a text uh, version of the site visible to search engines um, when, you, when you're basically operating from the same body of content. And as far as Google's concerned, they're fine with that. As long as it's essentially the same content, they don't care what it looks like to the user. And then again, that's the same for mobile devices. If, if you can find a solution that allows you to populate um, the same content rendered differently for a stationary device, but then you know, unique for a mobile device, that's where you want to go because then you're, you're, you're you know, syncing and... and uh, um, you know, just the time it takes to manage um, is decreased, and it's just an easier process. And so, the way to do that um, is is to really focus on your content management system. And so, um, there's a there's a lot of solutions out there. Some of them are better than others, um, 
WordPress, if you're if you're uh, maybe a smaller site owner, um, it, it really at the end of the day, WordPress for me is a content management system. Uh, and depending on the types of themes you may use for for WordPress or Drupal or whatever whatever type of CMS you may be using, they'll they'll give you basically some automated options for rendering your content um, in a on a mobile device that's uh, that's fairly clean and, and allows for some flexibility where you can say, okay, this is this is the experience, this is the content that I want to feature for a mobile device. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, again, it's really all about your CMS as opposed to trying to develop two completely different sites. So, um, what about redirects? You had mentioned in your presentation at South by Southwest, you know, the way that you structure your redirects really matters because um, it affects the expectation of the mobile searcher. Yeah. Um, so, again, depending on how you kind of build that, that mobile site, um, when, and, and let's first talk about kind of what we call that site. So, you got to think about whether you're, Gonna, you know, do an M dot uh, kind of nomenclature for your for your website, or you know, maybe you'll say um, Eric Schwartzman uh, Whack Mobile, or maybe you're on a website. However, you determine to uh, to kind of structure your domain is important first, because what Google is going to do is that if they see something visible, they're they're going to try to kind of crawl and index it. And so, you, as a as a search market, you have to think about the risk of duplicate content. If if uh, if Google sees content that's very similar um, on kind of different domain addresses, then they're they're going to uh, they're going to slap your wrist. Can I push back on that? Sure. So often, you know, if I was, if I say take a press release that's been distributed by a big company. If you search the headline of the press release, you'll see the press release on all sorts of news sites. You'll see it on the company's site. And you know, they always say Google doesn't index Google duplicate content. But when you search a press release, you see it indexed, you know, if it's a, if it's a big public company, you see, you could see it indexed hundreds of places. Yeah. Um, when Google's doing that though, they're, they're not just looking at the text. Uh, for them, duplicate content really is pretty duplicate, meaning the page and the attributes on that page in terms of code and text are very, very similar. And so when they're taking basically a syndicated piece of content, as far as Google con is concerned, that's, uh, that's it, it's all unique because it, it's just that the text or the, the article itself that is similar, the other, the other attributes of, of that site are, are, are unique. Um, so a, what if, for example, here, let me give you another example. Sure. Um, I, I take this podcast, okay? I have a podcast blog and I have a blog where I blog where I don't do podcasts. If I were to cross post the show notes for this podcast from the, the podcast site and the show blog, would that be seen as duplicate content? Um, it, it depends on what those pages look like. If if the uh, if, if the content, the footer, the header, um, is is all generally similar and the same, yeah, you'd, you'd probably be at risk. But if if kind of the wrapper that exists around that content is unique enough, um, and, and really you think about your titles and descriptions. So if your title for one is is Unique uh, than the other, you're you're going to be okay. Um, and so I think you know you've got a, a, your your blog version, and and that that's kind of positioned uniquely. And it you know it even says, look, this is Eric Schwartzman's blog, and then you've got another page that this is Eric Schwartzman's podcast, and then again, some of the other information is unique in terms of. Um, attributes and code, you're gonna, you're going to be okay. But but um, you're saying in a mobile site, if if it's the same content, that could hurt you. It it it, it could hurt you. Um, and and oftentimes again, if we're thinking that we we want to kind of 
we want to be smart and we want to have a consistent experience for some of our content pieces, we're going to perhaps look at sharing, you know, titles and descriptions, and that, that becomes a risk. So what we're saying is um, talk to the search engines. That's kind of the key here. Uh, in this case, Google's okay because as far as they're concerned, a mobile version and a regular version, that's, that's kind of two versions of the same thing. And as long as you position it in such a way that you're not trying to scam the search engine by introducing more content just for the sake of having more pages indexed, you're going to be okay. So what we do is we recommend what's called user agent detection. It's a very simple piece of, of a script that's uh, embedded uh, server-side for your site that just simply tells the search engine that, hey, uh, I know this looks like similar content, but I want you to prioritize my site content when you crawl um, as opposed to prioritizing this mobile version. Your mobile version will still appear to, to, to humans when they're on a mobile device, but Google, in that again, that single index, they're going to favor your regular site content um, uh, as, as, a, as a way of kind of avoiding that duplicate content uh, scenario. Um, and so user agent detection becomes a really important tool uh, when, you're, when you're thinking about kind of mapping content. So in the presentation, we talked about um, uh, kind of the, 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 the concept of one-to-one -one mapping. Uh, in theory, it sounds great. Um, but it, again, it's just it's not, it's not always feasible and it's not always appropriate. So in addition to having user agent detection, you, you can really use that to your advantage by thinking about um, what pages you have on your mobile site and what pages you don't. And so you can kind of uh, use that selectively by saying, okay, um, for product one um, on, my main, on my page, I have a corresponding version of that site for my mobile device. I'm going to tell the search engine to make sure that um, my, my main site is indexed, but when someone comes and, and they're on a mobile device and I can detect that, I want them to see that page on my on my uh, mobile site. So just, just so I understand this, sure. just so I understand, you're saying as a function of the actual code on the page that's stored on the server, there this this user agent detection is what would allow the uh, the search engine to decide which page to serve based on the source requesting the information. Yeah, not necessarily which page to serve. This is this is simply. Uh, we're talking about which page to uh, to index and put in their in their search index. Right. Because so that, I guess the other would be yeah. mobile device detection. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than user agent detection. Right. Right. And that's that. That would be a separate kind of piece. And again, if you're if you're using a a uh, a good strong CMS, that that's going to be offered as a as a pretty kind of WYSIWYG feature. Example today. of a good CMS that offers that? Again, I think WordPress is great um, uh, for kind of smaller businesses. Uh, so WordPress, WordPress has all this stuff. Yeah. WordPress yeah. has all this stuff built in already with, through through uh, plugins. Yeah. And, uh, and and themes. Again, WordPress is a, is a good foundation. Um, th what I would look at and, you know, some, some kind of great kind of Google searches for your uh, listeners to, to think about is not just WordPress, but WordPress themes or um, mobile WordPress themes or SEO WordPress themes. Um, there's some just really kind of uh, strong, uh, and again, these are almost like skins that are, that are built around the WordPress system. Um, they're really strong, not just for SEO, but for mobile as well. Um, and then there's, I've seen some recently that are really excellent um, for, for all three when you consider regular site, mobile, and tablet, uh, specifically iPad. Any that you've looked at that you remember my name that you could mention? 
Yeah, yeah. So I would take a look. There's some that just got released. Uh, uh, Themity dot uh, dot com is a great one. Um, uh, I'd, I'd take a look at uh, at that. Thesis is probably the most well known. Um, uh, if you were to just kind of do a, a, a Google search for WordPress thesis or thesis words WordPress themes. Um, uh, I, I really like thesis because that's it's kind of recognized for being highly, highly search optimized. Cool. And um, what about uh, you know analytics? I mean, how would your analytics or monitoring or evaluation approach for mobile metrics be different than the type of measurements you'd be looking at on a static site? Um, yeah, it's a good question. There. Um, the, the first thing to recognize is that the metrics are different, and, and to, to not fall in the trap of viewing mobile metrics the same way that we view traditional site metrics, uh, to the point where you, you it probably makes a really uh, good idea to, to segment um, uh, between your your site metrics uh, and your and your mobile metrics. And then the question, we, we go back to really understanding uh, site goals and, and digital goals. Um, I, I think that we, we spend, uh, I, I love analytics, it's, I was born in analytics, um, but you know, I, a lot of the time we, uh, we fall in the trap of, of making analytics turn into info porn, where about 80% of it is, is cool and nice to know, but is... Uh, really has nothing, has no kind of actionable value. Uh, and so um, for your business, I would really take a look first at business goals. What are you actually trying to accomplish with your website? What is the role of your mobile site? Um, or, your, or, or what is the role of, of mobile device for your, for your site or a tablet? And once you really kind of understand those unique goals um, by device, then you can start uh, kind of honing in on what uh, what your metrics should be. So you'd start out with very simple metrics uh, that correspond to adoption. And I kind of have a three-step process here. So adoption metrics might be just simply mobile site visits as opposed to regular site visits. Um, kind of media source metrics. So um, on my mobile site, where where are those visits coming from? Are they coming from ads? Are they coming from search engines? Are they coming from social sources? Uh, that's really interesting when you compare source metrics from mobile to source metrics from your traditional site. So, so how would you uh, do that? Because I'm, I'm in Google Analytics right now, and I see uh, under mobile the options are mobile devices, mobile carriers, and then there's a user-defined user -defined option and custom variables option. Yeah. Again, depending, and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to speak generally because it really does uh, depend on, you know, how you, how you configure and, and what analytics package you have. But you should be able to take a look at referral metrics and whether it's through a, 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 a custom method um, by uh, by device, um, and so. There, again, there's there's different ways to do that. You could actually kind of say, look, here is here's um, my one one easy way to do it is just to have um, not necessarily different accounts, but different sites. Say this is my m dot you know ericschwartzman.com site and configure it that way. So all of the data you look at is specific to that uh, that kind of unique domain. Um, for me, that's that's one of the easier ways to do it. Um, some of the other, again, engagement metrics are are, are important to look at. Um, you know, frequency, time on site, depth, and you know, um, pathing. Uh, the trick here is to not uh, not necessarily equate those metrics between regular site and mobile site. Uh, time spent on site, 
uh, it may be a shorter time spent on site for a mobile device may actually be really successful. Whereas for for a, a stationary device, you may want, you might want to see a, a a longer time spent on site because they're more likely to kind of um, mess around and, and dink and duck between content. Whereas on a mobile device, they're they're really looking for something right then and there. Um, so it's important not to equate um, metrics between you know mobile and regular site. Uh, final then, final question, Rich. Sure. Um, how do you monitor? First of all, what's a micro conversion, and how do you monetize it? Yeah, uh, one of my favorite questions. Um, so, a micro conversion, often called soft conversions, or we we tend to call them um, uh, unique site behaviors. And so, the, the concept here is that. If you, if you kind of picture all of the traffic that you get to your site, whether that's a mobile site or your regular site, uh, oftentimes we over-focus on, on a conversion. And we say, okay, I, that, at the end of the day, that's what I want. I want a conversion. I want someone to buy my product. And you know, no matter who you are, your, your conversion rate is, is going to be pretty low uh, when compared to all of the um, activity that you have on your site. So let's say that your conversion rate is 2%. Are we then saying that 98% of my visits were unsuccessful? No. There's, there's a lot of success that's happening, um, even if they don't convert. Um, they may you know, be engaging with your brand. They may, they may convert offline. They may convert later on down the line. They, they may actually uh, call a phone number. Um, there's there's just a ton of other behaviors that may not have as much value as a conversion, but they represent some some amount of value. And so a micro conversion is simply a way to look at those other behaviors and assign value to them. Um, and that just becomes really really important important when we start evaluating the success of any digital behavior, whether it's the success of a site itself or a mobile site or it's evaluating the success of media that we buy to send to those sites, or, um, or evaluating the success of earned media from, from things like search engine optimization. Uh, so what we, we've done for our clients is we essentially build um, what we call monetization models that, uh, that draw upon different data sources, so analytics data. We, we take a look at survey data. We take a look at financial data. And, and we kind of uh, assemble that data to, to have a, a pretty directional idea of what the value of each of those micro-conversions is. So let's say that I'm selling, I say I'm selling cars, I'm Toyota, and uh, I don't actually sell cars online, but I have a number of different behaviors that uh, that contribute towards an, an eventual sell. So I may have build and price a vehicle. I may have find a dealer. I may have submit a dealer quote. I may have three or four other behaviors that are all really important, but have different type, you know, different values associated with them. So build and price may, at the end of the day, be worth $25. Find a dealer may be worth $10. Submit a dealer quote may be worth $75. Um, kind of getting outside of just that traditional conversion and valuing other site behaviors or micro-conversions just becomes really, really important so you can get a fuller picture of what's actually going on with your site. And, and, uh, and, then, and then data becomes actionable. You're, you're not focusing, again, on that 2%. You're focusing on the 100% of activity that goes on because you're looking at, uh, at micro-conversions. So, Rich, talk to us about Zaz. For those who don't want the brain damage <laughs> and they just want you guys to deal with it, how does it work? Uh, tell us about yeah, your services. Sure. Well, the first, the first trick is when you call us up, don't ask for me because I'll talk your ear off and we'll give you brain damage. Um, but uh, Zaz is... You know, we're traditionally known as a, as a full-service interactive agency, and, and we've been doing uh, really strong world-class web design for, for 11, 12 years. Um, and then early on in, in kind of our, 
our life cycle, we started to get into web analytics. And so our, our mantra has always been trying to find and live at that intersection between uh, data and logic. So we can design something that's really killer looking. Uh, it's a great kind of human experience. But if it doesn't perform, you know, what, what value is it? I mean, we may win some creative awards, but that's not necessarily the best value for our clients. So we try to balance creativity and, and data to find and build websites that perform. And then in addition to that, uh, we're full service, so we offer uh, media services, whether that's search engine marketing, um, search engine optimization, display media. Um, we have analytics services and optimization services, which are really important, where we, uh, we, we actually test versions of, of your site or your media campaigns. We run A-B tests, multivariate tests. And then we also have social media services um, that kind of overlay everything that we do. So we look at social as, as something that kind of spans across um, site design, media, um, everything that we do. So that's, that's an important service that we offer as well. Well, Rich, I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to uh, talk to us about mobile search strategy. Eric, appreciate the opportunity to talk your ear off. Uh, let's do it again. This has been part two of a two-part series on mobile search strategy with Rich Devine of Zaz. Uh, on the show notes, I'll have his uh, Twitter handle and a copy of his deck that he presented at South by Southwest. If you missed the first episode on mobile search strategy, definitely download that one as well. Also, upcoming episodes you may be interested in, when to tweet, when to Facebook with Dan Zarella, and a second episode with Dan on when to blog and when to email market based on his uh, groundbreaking research on the most effective times um, to reach out via social media. And uh, we also have a special episode uh, with um, Robin Daniels of Salesforce Chatter about the rise of private social networks and a special with uh, Rachel Happ, a community management special. Uh, so don't miss those. As always, you can get those at www.ontherecordpodcast.com. Rich, uh, talk to you later. Thanks, Eric. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com on Twitter at OnTheRecord, or send email to OnTheRecordPodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.